Hey everyone, it's Bree. Welcome back to my podcast. If you are new, welcome. Today I am going to be discussing the case of the Lake County Jane Doe. This case dates back to 2007 in Gary, Indiana, where two brothers were driving down an alley and they stumbled upon the body of a teenage girl. Her body is found in an abandoned garage and due to her remains being badly burned and mutilated, investigators were unable to identify who exactly this young lady was. Now around this time, no one in the area ever reported a missing teenager. Her remains match no missing person in police database and due to the horrible condition of her body, she was unrecognizable. So, of course, she was classified as a Jane Doe, and with no leads in this case, it quickly went cold. It wouldn't be until nearly a decade later that someone would come forward with information revealing the identity of this Jane Doe and exactly what happened to her. This Jane Doe of Lake County was 15-year-old Erica Hill, and today I'm going to give you her full story. Antoinette Hill was born in 1992 and within days of her being born she was given away by her mother. Now Erica's biological mom was on drugs and she was unfit to be a parent so she decided to hand Erica over to one of her family members. Erica was taken in by her great aunt and was raised in a pretty stable home in Joliet, Illinois but unfortunately in 2001 her aunt passed away. At the time, Erica was only nine years old, and she had no mother, she had no father, and the only person that was raising her now was deceased, so Erica was an orphan. Now, also, the family was trying to make arrangements about who was going to take care of Erica, but before they could make any permanent decisions, her biological mother's cousin stepped in Erica's family and said that she was basically stolen by her mom's cousin. So how it all started was her mom's cousin was from Wisconsin. She ended up driving from Wisconsin to Joliet, Illinois to visit the family and help them make arrangements for the funeral. On the day that she drove to Joliet, Illinois, that was the same day that Erica happened to be at school. So she volunteered to pick Erica up from school And then they were going to drive straight over to the family's house so that she can visit with everyone and they can make arrangements for this funeral. However, when she picked Erica up, she did not go to the family's house. Instead, she drove Erica three and a half hours away back to Madison, Wisconsin, where she lived. And this woman's name was Taylor Hill. But during the time all of this was happening, her name was Marie Hill. 
and her family called her Minnie. But I'm going to call her by her current up-to-date name, which is Taylin. Now, Taylin was Erica's biological mom cousin. And I'm not clear if her mom knew anything about Taylin getting Erica or if they planned all of this together. But Taylin fooled the family like she was coming out there to visit to help them plan the funeral for Erica's aunt. But when she picked her up from school, she drove her straight back to Wisconsin. So the family and Juliet was just shocked. Like, they was like, what? You know, they're like, why did you pick her up from school and decide to drive her all the way back to Wisconsin to your house? But Taylin assured everyone that Erica was in good hands. And she said, look, Erica is only nine years old. If she goes to this funeral, it's just going to get her more upset. So it's best that she comes to a new city, start a new life, start fresh, and be here with me and my kids. Now, this is what Taylin told the family, you know, to just basically calm them down. But then they realized that she took the girl all the way to Wisconsin without telling anyone. And the family was hesitant about this, but during the time, you know, there really was no one prepared to take in Erica. There was no one ready to raise a child or really willing to raise a child. So when the mom's cousin told them that everything was fine, they kind of just brushed it off, you know, but they still had that uneasy feeling and they just said, okay. So a family member said that although they didn't like how Taylin took Erica in such a sneaky way, they knew that she was in good hands. Taylin had two daughters of her own and she was a foster mom. She fostered many children in her home. Taylin was a special education teacher. She was really religious and she herself went through a lot of abuse as a child. She went through both physical and emotional abuse. So she was all about working with children and protecting them. She started fostering children in her home because she was so passionate about rescuing kids. So they knew that she would never do anything to hurt Erica. Although they didn't agree with how she took Erica, they knew that essentially she was in good hands. But what they didn't know was that in the past year, Taylor had been under investigation for child abuse in her home. Now, once again, Taylor had several children in her care at one time. There was like seven or eight of them, and there were many accusations of abuse. But when the accusations would be investigated, they would always turn up unfounded. And she was able to keep her kids. And she continued to foster many more children. But these were more than accusations. These children were being tortured on a daily basis, like constantly. She was beating them. She was starving them, burning them, depriving them of water, depriving them of sleep, locking them up for days. Like she was making their life hell. And shortly after Erica got in Taylor's care, she abruptly cut off all communication with the family. Now, the family would call every now and then to check in on Erica and talk to her, but Taylor would always come up with an excuse for Erica not to be able to talk to them over the phone. And Taylor had a brother who lived in South Carolina. Now, this brother of Taylor was Erica's uncle, and he did not like the idea of Taylor raising Erica. He didn't know why, but he must have known something that we don't know because 
he did not want Erica out there with Taylor. He he didn't like it. He didn't want Taylor to have her. So he asked his sister many times if him and his wife could come and pick up Erica and, you know, she could once again start fresh and start a life out in South Carolina with them. But Taylor would never respond back to her brother. So what he did was he took a chance and packed up the car. Him and his family drove 14 hours from South Carolina to Madison, Wisconsin to try to get Erica. And when they got there, they were disappointed because Erica said no. Erica said that she did not want to live in South Carolina. She did not want to move. She wanted to stay with Taylor. And I personally think that Erica's response was like rehearsed. You know how they teach a child, this is what you need to say. I think that maybe Taylor like threatened her and basically told her that if she tell them that she want to go with them, she going to get a bad punishment. Like it could lead to killing her you know, of her life. And she just better not dare say that she just want to go with them. I think that's what she told her. Or I think that maybe she decided to brainwash Erica since she was so young in a way and made Erica believe that if she go off to South Carolina with them, it'll be worse than what she's dealing with with Taylor. And I don't think anything could be as worse. You know, the way she's talking, we know that it was some bad stuff going on in that house. So I don't know what she told Erica, but Erica was adamant about staying. And she said she did not want to leave. So they were disappointed, but, you know, they respected her wishes and they went back home. So over the next six years, Erica would stay in this hellhole, being beaten, starved, and going through just unimaginable amount of abuse and she did this to all of her children in her home now taylor had two biological daughters they didn't get get their punishment as bad as the other kids got it and some of the foster kids that were going from placement to placement didn't get beat as badly because she did not want to leave obvious scars on them but for erica Erica got it the worst. She got it badly. And that's because she knew that there was no, that no one else was going to check in on Erica. Taylor knew that Erica didn't have a mom. She didn't have a dad and the family was far away and she could pretty much use Erica like a punching bag. And although all of the kids did get abused, Erica was the one that had to deal with more of the torture when it came to her brutal punishments. And it got to the point where she was abusing all of the children so badly that she withdrew all of them from school and she began to homeschool them. That way, no one would see how beaten up they were and no one would see how how they looked. Like, at this point, Taylor severed ties with everyone in the family. She changed her phone number. She moved from Madison, Wisconsin to Fitchburg, Wisconsin. She changed her name from Marie Hill to Taylor Hill. So this is the point where now she's officially telling beforehand when all this was happening, she was Marie. But when she changed her name to Taylor Hill, that was just shocking. And the reason she did all of this is so that it would be difficult for anyone to find her. So from the point of nothing, from this point on, nothing was stable because she quit her career in teaching. 
and she was just moving the kids from apartment to apartment to motel to hotel and nothing was stable for the children and to make things worse she ended up adopting some of them like officially adopting them and she adopted erica so now they were legally 100 percent her children so she could take them wherever she wanted to take them without permission she didn't have to notify anyone and as far as all of the investigations that she did have against her for all of those investigations went to a screeching halt because once she moved and changed her name and quit her job she was pretty much a ghost she was in the wind and they couldn't find her to further investigate her the kids were in dire they were definitely in a dire situation but they had nowhere they could turn to it's not like they could go to school and tell someone because she took them out of school and they weren't even allowed to go outside so with cps no longer being in the picture because they couldn't find her these kids were literally at her mercy and they were stuck one time Taylor got so angry with Erica that she smashed her hand repeated, repeatedly with the hammer. And normally when she would beat Erica, her wounds would heal over time. But due to her beating this girl hand with a hammer, all of the bones in her hand were crushed. So she had to break down and take Erica to the hospital, of course. Now, when they got to the hospital, the nurses told Erica that she would have to change into an examination gown. And once Taylor got word of this, she immediately snatched up Erica and took her out of the hospital. Now, she obviously did not want them to see all of her other bruises and scars and years of abuse all over her body. So she took her back home without getting her any hand treatment and this is exactly why she took those kids out of school because she knew that these kids had injuries on them that no one could ignore she knew exactly what she was doing to them when she withdrew them out of school she knew exactly what she was doing to them when she would not let them go outside and she knew exactly what she was doing to them when she changed her name and decided to move because she did not want anyone to find her and she most definitely did not want anyone to see the state those kids were in. Hmm. When y'all say she she was wrong. So one day, one of Taylor's biological daughters received a phone call from her mom. And this is in the year 2007. Some years have passed now and the girls are older. Her daughters are 16 and 17 years old and Erica is also a teenager. She's 15 years old. And when she called her daughter, she told her that she needed to come home right away because there was a family emergency. Now at the time her biological daughters were working the same job so when she called her daughters the other one was at work as well so they both came home right away when their mom called and when they got there taylor told the girls to go look inside of the bathroom now of course the girls go they walk so they can go see what's in the bathroom and when the girls went to the bathroom they were horrified guess what they found just take a wild guess. I think you got it. I think y'all heard, I think I heard you all say they found Erica. Yes, they found Erica laying on the floor dead. 
Erica was badly beaten up. She had stab wounds all over her body. She had a cloth stuffed down her throat. And the girls were horrified. Horrified, absolutely. They were just absolutely horrified to walk in and see this girl in the state that she was in. And they had no idea what to do. And neither did Taylor. So for the rest of the day and for the rest of the night, they just left Erica laying there on the bathroom floor. And then the next day, she had the girls put Erica in the freezer, but she quickly realized that this wasn't a good idea because obviously she can't stay in the freezer forever. So she then decided to mutilate Erica's body so that she would not be recognizable. And she ripped out Erica's teeth she broke some of her teeth and ripped out most of them. So that way, no one would be able to identify her. They took off all her clothes. They dressed, up, dressed her up in some skimpy clothing to make it appear as though she was a prostitute. And from that point, they loaded her in the van. She had her daughters help her load Erica's body into the back of their van and they drove her to Chicago and left her body at an underpass in Chicago. And then, y'all won't believe this, they lit her body on fire and drove off. Say what? Yes, that's what I said. So from that point, when they got back home, no one said anything. The girls were honestly just in shock. And apparently, this must have been chipping away at Taylor's conscience because within a couple of days, she told the girls that she wanted to go back to Chicago and get Erica's body and put it somewhere else because she was afraid that an elderly person might stumble upon it and have a heart attack. And when I saw this, y'all... I just wanted to just choke her. Like, if I could just wrap my hands around Taylor's neck. Like, what? Like, what the? <laughs> what the? Lady, you literally tortured this child for years. You killed her. You mutilated her. You set her on fire. And you're concerned? You have more compassion for a random stranger that might find her remains? Like, make it make sense. Crazy tale self. Just make it make sense to me. I'm sorry. So she tells the kids, I'm scared. An old person might find a body and they might have a heart attack. So let's go back to Chicago and get the body. So the kid says, yes, ma'am. They went with whatever their mom said. And she took her daughters out to Chicago again. And this time... She brought her two daughters and she brought one of her younger sons with her. And when they got back to Chicago, Erica's body was still at the underpass in the same state that they had left her. And they decided to load her back up into the back of the van. And this time they drove her from Chicago to Gary, Indiana. And they found an abandoned house and decided to dump her body in an abandoned garage. From that point, her body would remain in the garage for two to three weeks, and that is when two brothers were driving down an alley, and they have to do a double take because they think they see two, two human legs sticking out from under this garage. So when they pulled up to get a closer look, 
that is when they discover Erica's body. Her body had over 170 wounds that were in all different stages of healing, so it was clear that she had suffered an incomprehensible amount of abuse over the years. She had stab wounds, her body was all burned up, and it was just nearly impossible to identify who she was despite all of the burns and stab wounds and scars all over her body the autopsy report said that she died by suffocation because she did have that piece of cloth stuffed in her mouth so this was just a terrible situation police could clearly see that this was a homicide a brutal homicide but they had nowhere they could go Erica had no teeth, her fingerprints were destroyed because she was set on fires, so they just had no way of identifying who she was. Erica's body was classified as a Jane Doe because police had nothing to work with. No one was coming forward with any information and they had no way of identifying who she was. They did composite a facial reconstruction sketch and that's basically just a sketch of what they think she may have looked like but unfortunately no one recognized her and no one came forward with anything so for over the next eight years she was considered the jane doe of lake county but in 2015 taylor's daughter would come forward with information it had been eight years since erica's death and now all of the kids were grown and taylor's daughter was having a really hard time with her mental health and as a result of everything that she experienced in her childhood the biggest thing that chipped away at her mental health was what happened with erica it haunted her in a sense and i mean i can't imagine you know what kind of ptsd she probably was going through from the time she first saw Erica laying in the bathroom to the time she had to help her mom mutilate her body to setting her on fire and leaving her there. I mean, that is just so horrifying that a child had to actually participate in doing that. And it really did haunt her. It haunted her in a sense. And she began to look things up on the internet to see if she could find unidentified bodies that matched Erica's description and one day that's when she came across that facial reconstruction sketch and when she first saw when she first found erica she was trying to find information and she ended up coming across one of those sketches and i guess this facial sketch was like spot on because as soon as she saw it she immediately knew that erica she knew it was Erica. So Taylor's daughter went to the police and she told them that she had information about the Jane Doe of Lake County. And she basically told them everything that she could about the abuse she experienced as a child with Taylor. She told them about what they had to do to Erica and what, you know, what they did to her and how they disposed of her body in the garage. But at first, police did not believe the daughter. They thought that she was just someone looking up cold cases on the internet and deciding to come to the police with false information to try to get attention from the news and social media. And they were just really dismissive at first. And I know a lot of people are like, how in the world could they not believe her? But she'll be really, you'll be really surprised at how many people say that they know where her body is or they have knowledge about what happened or you know who killed who 
and they send investigators to the person's house or they search the area that the person is saying the body is and kind of find out the person was lying and just wasting police time. People do that a lot. People actually confess to murders that they never even committed just so that they can get the clout and the shock value from the public. I have no sense for it, but people really do that because they just crazy. People really just crazy. So that is why the police were like, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. You don't know who the Jane Doe is. No one knows who she is, so whatever. But as they further questioned her, they cross-examined her. They called her and her other sister, and they called in her baby brother. Erica's daughter said that one time she had been beaten and starved so bad that her skin had turned gray. And the police were shocked at all the different stories that these now adults were telling them that happened in their childhood as they were being raised by Taylor. Now, Taylor's two younger sons did say that she was never abusive and that she was a very loving mother and that she never did anything to hurt them. But again, she did not abuse all of her children. She picked and chose who she was going to give the worst punishment to. And even if she was abusive towards them, I don't think they were going to out their mother like that, honestly. At the end of the day, that is still their mother. And I think that a lot of times, even when kids are being abused, they still love their parents and they still have like a connection to their parents because that's all they know. And a lot of times when someone is suffering at the hands of an abuser, they develop Stockholm syndrome. Um... The victim develops feelings for their captors, and they'll pretty much do anything to protect them at all costs. Mm-hmm. Yep. But despite that, there was still an overwhelming amount of evidence against Taylor, and she ended up being arrested on September 14th of 2015, and she was charged with first-degree reckless homicide, in addition to six additional charges of child abuse in court. Taylor said that all of the injuries on Erica were self-inflicted. She said that Erica was a troubled child and she said that she never once abused her or ever put her hands on Erica. She said that Erica sustained all of those bruises and injuries as a result of her running herself into walls. She also said that Erica hit her own head into walls and that she punched herself and that she also burned herself. And she basically took no accountability for what she had done to Erica. So this defense did not hold up at all. And she ended up taking a plea deal in July of 2016. Taylor pled guilty to three reduced charges, including child neglect and abuse. Honestly, me, I think she should have been charged with murder, but... On November 7th of 2016, she was sentenced to 20 years in prison. Taylor did not speak out in court. She did not do anything. She really just apologized. Um, she did, but she did not admit to anything. She did to Erica, and the apology was not for Erica. It was more so her trying to get sympathy, you know, just trying to get people to feel sorry for her. Um, she said that she was apologizing to the community, not to Erica, but to the community. Really? Mm. Yes, 
I said what I said. She was apologizing to the community. I don't know what that means. She said she was a godly woman and a teacher. And you know everyone said that she was overall a good woman. They said that she was very helpful in the community and that she was selfless. I think that she should have stepped up to the plate when she was in court and admitted to what she had done. I also think that she should have taken accountability for all of the horrific abuse that she put this girl through and all the other kids through. But she apologized to the community, so I don't I don't even know what kind of apology that is, but if that's what she want to do. So her son did ask the judge to basically just give his mother mercy. He said that she was always a good mom. And even though what she had done to Erica wasn't right, he believed that she needed to be released. And you know, obviously that's not gonna happen. But again, I just think he loved his mom, you know, and it's hard to go against your parents, especially if you weren't the one that was being abused. You know what I'm saying? So. I'm not going to judge him for him taking up for his mom. And the biggest question that I have about all of this is why? Why does she do this to Erica? Why did she go and drive all the way to Illinois to get her just to bring her back to her house, make her life hell? Like, what was the point of her doing this? And I also did some research and I found somewhat of an answer so basically remember in the very beginning of the story I said for the first nine years of Erica life she was raised by her great aunt y'all remember that so we're not talking about her mom's sister we're talking about her grandma's sister her grandma's sister is the woman that raised her for the first nine years and her great aunt is actually Taylan's mother so Taylan's mom is the one that initially raised Erica for the first nine years of her life and remember when I said that Taylan was all about protecting kids because she herself went through physical abuse she went through abuse and she had a horrific childhood herself and that is why no one would ever imagine that she would be abusive towards kids because of what she went through growing up. And Taylan was very upset that her mother allowed her to go through all of this abuse as a child. But yet when she gets Erica and Erica comes along and she was raising Erica better than she raised any of her own children. And this is, it just doesn't sit right with Taylan and, and infuriated Taylor. Taylor felt like it's not fair that I went through hell as a child but here you go adopting a child taking a child and you're treating them better than you treated me and my siblings and when her mother died that is why she was so quick to go and get Erica because she felt like she had to take that anger out on Erica. She was just I guess jealous we call it that Erica got the childhood that she never could have and I think that is just freaking sick I think that is just wrong because at the end of the day woman you like you 25 years older than Erica like you a grown woman you're a whole woman how in the world are you going to be jealous of a child if your mother your mother mistreated you or your parents mistreated you that's on your parents you can't take the years of abuse you went through and put it on a child who didn't even ask to be here.
I mean, that just makes you a horrible person. I know she's an older woman. I know her kids doesn't want her to die in prison. But at the end of the day, look at the way this young lady had to suffer. I mean, her life was hell and no one deserves that. Nobody deserves that, especially an innocent child. And I think you all definitely agree with me. So I think Taylor honestly shouldn't have just gotten 20 years. She should have gotten life. So she can think about what she did. She should have gotten life. I don't think 20 years is enough. I really don't. I really don't. So I thank you all for taking the time out to listen to this podcast. Comment below. Tell me what you think about this podcast. And remember to like, follow, and share. I hope to see you all on the next episode. And you all have a great night. Bye.